0: And welcome to another episode of the Government Transformation Show. I'm your host Sam Birchall and today I'm joined by a friend of the pod, Afshin Atari. Afshin is Senior Director of Public Sector and Unified Platforms that's Exponential E, and he joins me for a discussion on maximising data interoperability. As data continues to play an increasingly important role in decision making in government, this is definitely a topic that is front and centre of people's minds. And throughout this conversation, we unpack where Afshin is seeing pockets of excellence when it comes to this, and, and how he thinks government departments can start to create new ways of working and thinking that really creates more efficiency and trust around data sharing. Enjoy. Hi Afshin, welcome back to the Government Transformation Show. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good
1: morning and thank you. It's great to be back. I'm fine.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, we are going to be talking today about maximizing data interoperability. I think obviously at a time when data continues to play an increasingly um important role in, in decision making government, this is a definitely a hot topic, um, definitely front and centre of people's minds. So so really keen to hear what you're you're hearing and learning about this and unpacking some of that as we go through. But um, Afshin, obviously you've been on the podcast a few times, but for those that that haven't listened to those, could you provide a bit of an introduction on yourself and, and talk a bit about kind of how you work with the with the public sector?
1: Sure. I uh, I lead our public sector business within uh, Exponentially, and I'm part of our executive leadership team. I have responsibility and I have got the privilege of leading some talented people in our business and ensuring that we can serve the public sector in consuming um, technology-based services to deliver better citizen and patient outcomes so our primary objective is to take complexity away and trying to support public sector in meeting their sometimes challenging um uh objectives in and in, in supporting the public and we're trying to take we, we're trying to take the burden away That's our primary role, focused on the technology sector and complexities around technologies. We're not subject matter experts in health and central government, but we do appreciate the challenges and we've learned through our engagement um, where opportunities lie. And we try to support that journey.
0: So data interoperability. Why is this topic particularly important to you and Exponential, and, and, and could you provide maybe a bit of context on what Exponential E does to, to support that um, better integration within government?
1: Data is a big topic at the moment. As we know, we as consumers of services amass data, access data and share data and we're we're very very familiar with the digital world or the application-based environments that we uh, deal with day in day out so where the opportunity lies around um public sector is that the demands on the public sector the nhs central government local government policing is increasing on a daily basis to really do do more with less. So the question is, um, how can we uh, create supporting and data environment which which supports decision making? And if you look at data, you have the management of data, the sharing of data. And then the next question is how you ensure that data becomes informative. And Mm -hmm. I call it information, how you can analyze that data. One dynamic of holding data securely, managing that data, optimizing the use of that data, and that's where we come into play to take the complexities away. The other part is uh, the human machine interface, how users consume that data, what is the ergonomics around that use, how can they uh, extract that information in a better way? The majority of this um, uh, complexity is very much tech-led, and if you look at the market, the, the pace of change is immense you know, the pace of change in our day-to-day lives around how we consume um, services, even from a citizen perspective, is is fairly complex. And the question is how you bring that governance, assurance environment and take the burden away. And our prime objective really is to allow the subject matter experts, be it in health or or other areas, to allow them to focus on their day-to-day jobs around, for example, serving patients not necessarily getting bogged down with um, the complexities of tech. Mm-hmm. So uh, use of data and the other aspect that you see widely discussed in the market at the moment and in- press is AI, you know, artificial Intelligence is a big theme at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like it, some people dislike it, there's concerns around it, there's um, uh, worries about the use of it. I think there are uh, uh, use cases for AI if they're managed in an informative uh, way. Um, artificial intelligence, for example, has a great ability of uh, translating data into information. Mm-hmm. not acting on it, we don't need it to act on it, but it will what, what it can do is, for example, in the case of pathology, if you look at pathology imaging and you're sharing that data, if you have an AI overlay which looks at trends and looks for anomalies, that could take a burden away. So it could represent mm-hmm. that management information tool set or the data set to a subject matter expert. And the subject matter experts, upon receiving that information, they can make an informative decision take the burdensome activities away think about different ways of delivering services within government uh, with the use of technology it will liberate our workforce and create a better outcome, and hopefully we can do it within the uh, financial means that we all are constrained with at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, that was a yeah fantastic kind of overview of the of the context, um, the environment that that governments kind of working in at the moment with regards to data. So As you said, there's never been so much data that we're actually kind of collecting, but it's kind of pulling on various tools and to learn how to actually derive insights from that, which is where kind of governments need to be focused on right now. But part of this conversation today will be uh, a reflection on kind of what you've heard and discovered at the Government Transformation Summit in May, where you hosted a table on data interoperability and integration. So keen to get an idea of what your top level conversations look like on this day. So what were people talking about and, and what are some of your, your key takeaways?
1: I think the enthusiasm around use and sharing data amongst all of the stakeholders from different departments was very high. That's a key takeaway. Mm -hmm. I think everyone understands the benefits and the opportunity for sharing data. I guess uh, the challenging points were centred around policy and process. Mm -hmm. So um, I I touched upon the speed of change around technology within uh, the environments they operate. The public sector and government's been around for many hundreds of years and sometimes you can argue the processes and the policies and the governance measures that we have in play doesn't lend itself to sharing. And I think what people were finding a bit frustrating is that we understand the need and there is an opportunity, but the governance structures doesn't allow us to access that information, share data, have a common platform and liberate that information flow. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, aspects which were widely discussed was referring back to the COVID time. Now, COVID had uh, created, did create a lot of challenges for uh, us as a nation and for us as individuals, but the resolute way of dealing with the problem resulted in um, agile ways of thinking. You know, people came together, decisions were made quickly because there were no options. We had to act Um uh, industry worked with the public sector uh, the problem was shared and, and problems were dealt with. And in our in our case, for example, we supported the delivery of telemedicine into 133 prisons when uh, the big challenge was that if you don't want to be taking the prisoner uh, out of a prison environment into a hospital, because if they're infected and they come back, they can infect the whole of the hospital. The challenge was how do you take the clinician into uh, into prison and how do you give them access to patient records, give them the ability to look at the history of the inmates and ensure that the right uh, medical treatment is uh, administered. So we work with technology and we, we created a different environment. And, you know, from a end user perspective, if you're a inmate, you know, being handcuffed and taken into a a hospital with three prison guards around you is not really a pleasant experience. So I think um, that's one example where uh, lateral thinking, um, having to deal with the issue of the moment, resulted in quick action. So the key takeaways, which I was what I was summarize is that the enthusiasm and the need is recognised. Uh, the processes that sort of govern the use of um, uh, data and sharing data needs um, updating to allow that uh, flow and um, engagement with the right uh, industry experts can accelerate and de-risk any concerns around security management and deployment which is a key factor that we try to do and exponentially take the complexity away and just allow the subject matter experts to focus on the areas that they need to be focusing on.
0: And again kind of against that backdrop is there anything kind of like perhaps you can see perhaps that you heard from the conversations you had obviously speaking to a lot of different departments and 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 people on the day kind of what was some of the advice or some of the takeaways about what people can do to maximize um data interoperability and what kind of best practices did you see emerge and what kind of thought leadership do teams need to be implementing and pursuing to best capitalise on those opportunities do you think?
1: I sense that from a leadership perspective within the different departments there's a lot of um, uh, working groups coming together and there's a lot more collaboration at um, CDIO um, uh, operations level. Uh, senior exec level in sort of trying to understand how the experiences and the sharing and information flows can be improved. So I think uh, the departments are recognizing the benefit. That's where I saw a lot of movement. Naturally, which lends itself to the complexity of technology, there is a need for support in taking that complex technology away. And as service providers, as technology moves so quickly, we ourselves, you know, training talent, acquiring talent, uh, retaining talent does pose a problem. So, and we're we're in the technology sector now. Try to bring that expertise into um, into an environment, uh, a public authority where their focus predominantly and possibly is not delivery of technology, but serving the citizen or the patients, that that creates some challenges. So the question is how this collaboration and the partnership between the service provider world and governments can be extended, but also uh, within the realms of procurement, you know, the procurement policies in play are naturally there to ensure a fair procurement and best value. But in some cases, they don't lend itself to um, a meaningful dialogue, it's very transactional. So the question is, how can we ensure that the experiences that we see, because we serve a multi- multiple set of uh, customers, we can take that learning into take it into the uh, next one because possibly they they wouldn't have seen that transformation. And we we would have done because we've just implemented that transformation in a different environment. So I think uh, coming back to COVID, what it allowed us to do as a collaborative set of entities, organizations, authorities, is to think about how we solve the problem. And I think that that was very liberating. Uh, What we found post COVID is that there may be a reversion back to the past, which restricts that fluidity that we need to be cognizant and ensure we don't lose that. Term.
0: Kind of building on that point, then how how can organisations ensure that they don't sort of fall back into those old pre-COVID kind of practices? And what advice would you have for kind of how can governments improve their interdepartmental coordination? Um, to ensure better data integration and and kind of keep building on those lessons learned, I guess.
1: Dialogue, I would say. Um, Dialogue and early engagement around what is required before a formal procurement has started. I do understand that, you know, as I mentioned, there are governance and procurement rules that most authorities have to follow to protect the public purse. But um, ensuring that there's um, uh, input And uh, comments around the direction of travel before anything is formalized has always been a meaningful way of ensuring um, a best outcome. That's what I would say. But also, I think something which is out of control of industry, but within the realms of the government uh, arena is um, think about sharing data, sharing data, sharing platforms. Um, utilizing that information, and then uh, with the pooling of that data, we, you can translate data into information. Then, what we can do is that the uh, human-machine interface, which I talked about, is is a quite um, important factor culturally, training-wise, etc. How people consume that data and use that data, and we have a role to play from a service provider. Well, mm-hmm. to ensure that we provide adequate training, we are cognizant of the systems. Um, Uh, the restrictions, the environments and you know, for example, the prison ex, uh, example that I gave you, accessing data in a prison environment by clinician on paper looks simple, but it's quite complex because the type of laptop that you take into that prison has to be assured, it needs to be secured, um, the applications on there need to be uh, locked down, the access to the laptop and therefore the platform that it's going to access needs to be restricted to the user and the normal uh, approaches of two-factor authentication authentication for example that you we see normally when we for example interact with Amazon won't work doesn't work in a prison environment we had to ensure that uh, we used a um, uh, a technology which is centered around um, certain encryption keys which are, unlocks the laptop so the complexities are fairly vast but manageable mm-hmm. uh, and manageable and you, you you can argue that sort of um, putting that burden into NHS England or the business service to resolve is unfair but we as technology partners can provide that environment so there is opportunity to think laterally and there is a responsibility mm-hmm. for all of us to think laterally but we are definitely in an era of change and pace of change around technology is very fast. What we need to do is not be frightened or uh, around the use of technology, but be cognizant and be aware and ensure that we create the right governance and assurance, which is which gives comfort to the public sector around uh, data and information flow, which is a big concern around security, access, storage, et cetera, et
0: cetera. Yeah, ensuring those safeguards are, are right. really in place is, is obviously really crucial and Afshin, really keen, I guess, to go back to kind of at the summit or I guess from your own, own experience as well, as well. But what are some of the, the key challenges, concerns, pain points, um facing departments on data integration?
1: One is around complexity, the complexity of the task. Sometimes a task becomes too complex and it becomes too daunting. So staying uh, with the status quo becomes the norm and that becomes very time consuming. That's one challenge. Funding is always a, a area of concern um, people around funding projects and transition and transformation but as i said if you are going to take a analog world and make it digital you may not see savings the opportunity is uh, looking at an analog way of doing stuff and if you're thinking about use of data and digitalization is to say okay can we streamline the process and can we do it differently and deliver a better outcome and that's something again which is um, wise thinking and it Requires thinking of different working practices. So it means process change because you can't overlay technology into a current process if the process. Uh, has an opportunity to be changed and i would say uh, we if you look at the different areas the nhs at the moment is extremely under pressure and finding time and allowing time to create the ability to bring about change is sometimes a, a is a luxury that most authorities don't have mm-hmm. so the question is how can you create an environment to bring about that change how can you create teams So create teams make I guess, invest to save, you know? If you invest in a different way of working, then that could give you the opportunity to deliver better outcomes. But if you never invest in that environment and allocate the time, yeah. it's very difficult to bring about change. So I think those are the multiple um, dynamics that we see yeah. in, play in, in in most of the engagements that we had on the day and in our day-to-day engagement that we have with the public sector.
0: Yeah, and it's it's clear, I mean, a common theme is obviously less around the technology, but obviously a big part of it is that cultural piece and kind of needing to create teams and, and that, that kind, of, kind of understand data in a more holistic way and are able to kind yeah. of understand the consequences of it. And I think one of the cons- concerns at the moment, obviously, is the, is the skills capability in, in the market and kind of the, the shortage of skills. Um, did you hear kind of many concerns around that? Any kind of advice on kind of how people can overcome that? Um, anything you heard from the day or, or in, your, in your own kind of experience in you know, overcoming that skills capability? Um, shortage
1: It is a big challenge it not uh, not only from our customers but from from a service provider perspective if you look at the the tech industries which is required with the explosion of digital consumption there is a big demand around capability. Most organizations carry vacancies fulfilling the right skill sets is a challenge. The pace of technology change um, is also quite high so what you need to do is um, there is a, a bit cognizant view. training developing and investing in the talent because they need to keep up with the times Mm -hmm. so what i would say is if you translate that burden into public sector or a government body their fourth core function is not technology that's going to be a big challenge so the question is how can how can partnerships be formed when the complexity of delivery and um, uh, executing against those platforms against the right environment is give is 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 given to a managed service partner which is credible free uh, time for the authority to focus on the matters which is related to them which nobody else can do if you're a health clinician you don't necessarily want to be sitting there struggling to log on to your laptop for 30 minutes if you're sitting in a GP surgery to access the patient records, that is not something that they should be burdened with. That's something that we can help with. Diagnosing an ailment, um, recognising the treatment is something that is unique to the point of care, that only clinicians undertake. Or if you are sitting in a, a local authority and you have people interacting with you over digital platforms, contact center, and you need to access their information and that information is not ready to available, it's dated, it's slow, that's not a burden that they don't necessarily need to carry. So if we can take those complexities away. We can allow them more time to overcome that and insourcing and retaining that talent in a complex technology field, I think is gonna be a challenge for the public. sector. Because even if you hire people, Because of the pace of change, those people need to be trained and they tend to gravitate to areas of expertise. They don't want to be working in an environment where their knowledge and capability is fresh, but then over time, that knowledge and capability is not updated and and they lose that edge. So that will cause churn and people leaving. So I think the resource in the resourcing environment is a big challenge Mm -hmm. as a whole. But I would say we could better manage that because of the uh, governance and the processes and the training programs that we have in in play
0: and and afshan i mean you've given so many great kind of lessons there but but really keen i guess just to to summarize and and kind of give our listeners some kind of top tips or kind of key takeaways for advice that you'd have on on where where government teams can look to really better maximize their data interoperability so so what are some of the kind of key priority areas that you would say they should focus on
1: um collaboration between Um, authorities the point that i mentioned there's an opportunity for them to collaborate and we're seeing a lot of collaboration and discussion between seniors and these authorities that's one opportunity early engagement Mm -hmm. sharing a problem sharing that problem freely and discussing that problem and seeking input around how the problem can be resolved without before you getting into a formal procurement process which really sort of uh, restricts dialogue and engagement is a big challenge so seek input Um, and do that and thirdly um it's really looking at sort of references and where problems of uh, of a similar ilk have been dealt with in the markets where potentially service providers because of their day-to-day function and because of their commercial ways of working, will engage with multiple customers in suburban environments. And sometimes we can bring that learning to the table. I would say those are the three areas of, of focus, but it's, it is it is a fairly complex area and I wouldn't claim that I, um, I I know it all. This is based on what we've seen and the opportunities we see ahead of us and how we can support uh, serving the public
0: sector. No, Great, great three kind of focus areas there. Um, last final question, I guess keen to kind of get a hint of kind of where this might be going in the future was there anything kind of on the summit on the day that you heard that you hadn't heard before that had took you by surprise anything along those lines that you that you can kind of share with us today
1: nothing which took me by surprise as I said uh, what I did here and I had sense for a while is a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of recognition for uh, for, for the for change. Mm-hmm. Most uh, individuals understand that they can do a better job. They can deliver a better outcome. What they need is uh, support in looking at the policies, the processes, and some of them maybe because they're dated and they're not aligned with the current way of working. So if we can liberate that um, um, those, uh, those environments, then I think the talented individuals within the public sector will actually flourish. And then it's down to us as technology service providers to sit behind them, help them, support them, and take the complexity of technology, deployment, design, and service uh, away from them, and allow them to focus on delivering better service. And all of this can be done. I, I, I genuinely believe it can be done at lower cost, supporting best value and delivering best value and supporting the public purse.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. I think definitely. Definitely, on the day there was, as you said, um, an added sense of urgency about it that was perhaps perhaps something new and different. But no, Ashton, thank you so much for for your insights and for for giving us some of those kind of key areas takeaways that people can focus on going forward. But, um, but thank you again, always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, so really appreciate your your time with this.
1: Thank you.